Welcome to the launch of the channel of the Wisdom of Anna. Look for the link below the video and make sure to follow for future podcasts. And the link below the video will direct you to your favorite podcast listening studio, including Spotify and Google Podcast. Once you open the podcast link, scroll over either to the Spotify or Google button. And if you're not already listening on one of these platforms, you may need to adjust your volume button as well. Make sure to sign up for your favorite platform and look for the channel, Anna. And a huge thank you to Kendrick K., Jesus V., and KC Global Productions for your donations this month. And please note, PayPal has permanently suspended my account because of my content. So if you are inclined to donate, you may do so either by donating to this alternate account listed in the description box at PayPal, which is PatriotUSA471 at gmail.com. PatriotUSA is one and 471 is all one word and it's all lowercase. Or you can also go to, if you have a Zello Pay account, it's Z-E-L-L-E-P-A-Y dot com. And you can send it to my, my email for Zell Pay is PurdueAnna at yahoo.com, which is P-E-R-D-U-E-A-N-N-A at yahoo.com. And, um, it, and you can always find this information. It's down in the bottom in the description box. So, um, and I also have it on my webpage as well. So if you need to find those links, you can scroll down and find them. So anyway, let's go ahead and get started. The um, some of you may have watched this. I'll, I'll go ahead and re- review it anyway. So the Australian TV channel ABC, they accidentally showed the viewers the footage from a satanic ritual during the middle of the routine newscast. How embarrassing. The blunder was linked online to a current court case about teaching Satanism in schools. The excerpt from the news broadcast posted by ABC Media Watch on Twitter took place while anchor Yvonne Young was introducing a story about Queensland's proposal to make it a criminal offense to injure or kill police dogs and horses. During Young's awkward pause, the screen showed silent footage of masked officials in suits. The broadcast then unexpectedly cut to what appeared to be the middle of a satanic ritual. A person donning a black robe proclaims hell and then the word, of course, Satan, while flanked by a large illuminated upside-down cross. Once the broadcast cut back to Yong, along with a brief silence, she continued as if nothing had happened. Hmm. Did she deliberately expose this and pretend it was an accident? Or is this something they are discreetly preparing to shove down our throats? It is not clear whether the satanic footage was part of another story or had come from elsewhere, and as of this podcast, ABC has not commented on the matter. But several people online linked devil worshippers with members of the Noosa Temple of Satan, which is currently suing Queensland's education department to have religious instruction classes taught in schools. According to Australian media, the Satanists led by Robin Bristow, also known as Brother Samuel Demogorgon, 
want the federal government to scrap its religious discrimination bill and replace it with the Human Rights Act. The Noosa Temple of Satan retweeted the clip, adding that Satan works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Commenters on social media, meanwhile, joked that the newscast was an unfair slight on Satanists and hoped for the clip to stay with 666 tweets, which has now surpassed. This is a sad state of the times for sure. Um, clearly, we're... we're right smack dab in the days when good is evil and evil is good. These right here, what you're seeing, are the same types of Babylonian mindsets who brought about the wrath of Yah's burning of Sodom and Gomorrah and the Great Flood. While Messiah Christ-based teachings have been treated within our school systems like they're a plague, pouring poison down the minds of our children is becoming the new mainstream. The reason I, I know, at least I don't know if it affects you guys like it does me, but I mean, a lot of this material I research is so depressing, but I feel like I have to share this because I feel like by sharing these depressing points regularly, it is so we can become more proactive in our prayers and actions. And we have to know this. As painful as the truth is, it really does set us free. And there are things that we can do. We can counter these assaults on goodness. So here's something we can do. Even if we don't have children, which I don't, we can attend school board meetings. Because remember, until we reach 65 years old, we are paying taxes for these school board members. So what we can do, we can show up in droves and voice our opinion. And our voices will matter if we show up in droves. And for those of you who are able to do so, I encourage you to seek out a private school that embraces the biblical truths or even consider homeschooling your children. But still, I understand there's many people that cannot consider these options. And this is why we as citizens owe it to our future generations to rise up. So this is what we need to do. And granted, this podcast you know, is discussing an event that took place in Australia, it is literally knocking on our back door in our country and other countries around the world also. So back to this story. Who is this Robin Bristow anyway? The Noosa Temple of Satan founder, former sex party candidate Robin Bristow, also known as Brother Samuel Demo Gorgon, attempted to hand out flyers to students on Tuesday to encourage them to nominate Satanism as their choice of religious instruction. Some people may object to our presence, but Bistro said, under the 110-year-old Queensland law, we have the same rights as all other religions to provide religious instruction. If the school has received permission for the student to attend Noosa Temple of Satan, then the school must provide one of their rooms for us to use and must allow each student to attend. Do you see their game? These people have taken the epitome of evil and attached the term religion to their agenda. 
What most fail to understand is the first religion was born in the land of Shinar under the ruler Nimrod. The term religion has now been weaponized against those of us who worship Yeshua. Those who followed Christ Messiah were not part of a religion, but rather that of a movement. In fact, in his day, those who followed him were called members of the Way Movement. Shortly following the death and resurrection of our Christ Messiah Yeshua, Titus Flavius Josephus rose to power. His story is quite colorful. He was born Yosef ben Matanyahu in the year 37, and he died in the year 100. He was a first-century Romana Jewish historian who was born in Roman Judea, Jerusalem, to a father of priestly descent, otherwise known as a Pharisee, and a mother who claimed royal ancestry. So, he initially fought against the Romans during the first Jewish-Roman War as head of Jewish forces in Galilee, until surrendering in the year 67 to Roman forces led by Vespasian after the six-year siege of Jodapada. Josephus claimed the Jewish Masonic prophecies that initiated the first Jewish-Roman war made reference to Vespasian becoming emperor of Rome as a way to flatter him, and it worked. Kind of like a Nostradamus. In response... Vespasian decided to keep Josephus as a slave and presumably interpreter. After Vespasian did become emperor in the year 69, he granted Josephus his freedom, at which time Josephus assumed the emperor's family name of Flavius. This is an ingenious way to slide into royalty as an imposter. Flavius Josephus fully defected to the Roman side and was granted Roman citizenship. He became an advisor and friend of Vespasian's son Titus, serving as his translator when Titus led the siege of Jerusalem in 70 CE. Since the siege proved ineffective at stopping the Jewish revolt, the city's pillaging and the looting and destruction of Herod's temple, the second temple, soon followed. Josephus recorded Jewish history in a favorable light for the Pharisees and Sadducees. Keeping in mind that the son of a Pharisee embraced the Roman lifestyle, even taking on the name of the emperor's family name Flavius. Perhaps this was the dawning of the merging of Hellenic Pharisee paganism and Romanism. Let's skip into time to more of the imposter Flavius' ruling family. Little is known about Constantine the Great, or as I like to refer to as Constantine the Imposter. He was the son of Flavius Constantius. His father was the Roman army. He was a member of the Roman army. He was another killer warrior. His mother was Helena. It is not known whether Helena was his wife or just his concubine. Remember the Hellenistic Judaism? 
This form of Judaism was a great infusion into the Hebrew worship that many claim contributed to the final fall of the Second Temple. Is it possible the wife concubine of Flavius Constantius was given the namesake of this pagan form of worship? The father of Constantine, the impostor, was highly adept in the military, and this contributed to his quick rise in the military ranks. In other words, he was a warrior. Around 293 AD, imposter Constantine's father was appointed to serve as the deputy emperor for Augustus Maximian. With time, Maximian's failure on the throne meant that he had to step down. This paved the way for his father's opportunity to take over as Emperor Constantius I in the year 305. His son Constantine followed suit and joined his father in fighting with him in the army. Notice a pattern of impostor positions of power with people who conduct their lives totally contradicting the lives of members of the Way movement. Remember Flavius Josephus was the son of a Pharisee. In Acts 13.10, and again in John 8.44, our Messiah referred to these Pharisees as sons of the devil. Was our Messiah implying these Pharisees were sons of the Nephilim? Genesis 6.1-4 tells us there were giants before and after the flood. This passage has caused heated debate by many scholars. Many believe the Epic of Gilgamesh to be an account of one such giant who survived the flood. Genesis 9-13, through 13, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. In this passage, God is telling Noah the end of all flesh is approaching. Could this all flesh, as written, be that he was describing only the man he created? This possibly could explain how giants reappeared. Genesis 10 starts off with a statement about the generations of the sons of Noah. Moses goes on to list the sons of Japheth with no elaboration on any of them. By the time we get to verse 6, we are told about Ham's children. The sons of Cush are listed in verse 7. Then verse 8 goes on to mention one of Cush's sons in particular, Nimrod. The text then pauses for a moment to give us more. Five verses worth of details about this one individual drawing our attention specifically to him as someone clearly important for us to remember. And Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Calneth in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Asher, and he built Nineveh, and the city Rehoboth, and Calah, and Resen between Nineveh and Calah. The same is a great city. We could argue that this detail is given as a setup for the next chapter, which will focus on the individual's activity in the plains of Shinar. So, essentially, 
The added detail given sets the stage for understanding the future events. And that is likely why we are given added detail all through the scriptures. But in this particular section of added details, there are some interesting facts concerning Nimrod. By way of review, it is possible Nimrod simply became a strong and powerful man. However, other cultures say he was much more than that. Nimrod began to become a giant himself through some sort of defilement. Or Nimrod began to become a giant hunter or a hunter of giants. Additionally, according to many ancient cultures, Nimrod the man of many names, was often depicted as a mighty warrior, giant, and possibly a hunter and subduer of other giants as well. In fact, giants are even said to have helped him build the Tower of Babel. An Arabic manuscript found at Baalbek says, After the flood, when Nimrod reigned over Lebanon, he sent giants to rebuild the fortress of Baalbek, which was so named in honor of Baal, the god of the Moabites and worshipers of the sun. Here, right here, we find our first account of religion. Nimrod used pagan religion to rule with an iron fist. Considering every war ever fought has been connected to some form of religion, it is no wonder this has crept into the assault on our most innocent, our children in these last days. So, back to the legalism of the end days religion. This Satanist, Robin Bristow, in Australia had this to say, We are sure that Education Minister Grace will support our legal right to offer Satanism classes at the school, which is situated in her electorate of McConnell. Well, Education Minister Grace bravely has already said that the school should not be used as a backdrop for political stunts. Then Bistro said, They went to the school to send a message straight to the education minister and are hoping to get a response from her support of Satanists going to a school in her district. But sadly, it seems somebody has caved. An education department spokeswoman said in accordance with Queensland legislation, religious leaders who wish to provide religious instruction to students of their faith group can apply to the principal in writing. If there are students of that faith group at the school, a principal will approve the minister of religion or their representatives to be religious instructors at their school. Oh, Religious instruction is not compulsory. Parents decide if they want their child to participate or not in religious instruction. Students who are over 18 years of age are able to make their own decisions about participating in religious instruction if it is available at the school. Since the first religion of Nimrod, their practice has continually brought death and destruction. And these children are getting ready to get exposed to it all. And speaking of Satanist religion, demented occultists looking for victims as part of their sick rituals pose a real threat to the Russian public. One top analyst has cautioned after a pair of Satanists confessed to a gory double murder in a remote woodland. 
Roman Silentiev, the deputy chairman of the Russian Ministry of Justice's Advisory Council on Religion, said that people should be aware of the risk. The likelihood of becoming a victim of Satanists, though, is small there in that little region, but it is not zero. 20 to 30 people a year can become their victims. See, that's not small to me. According to him, the groups usually evade detection by hunting down homeless people and those without a fixed abode and snaring them for occult ceremonies. Gangs of Satanists who were engaged in ritual murders have repeatedly been identified in the Tula region of Russia. Unfortunately, this is a sad norm of our life. Satanists have existed before and they will continue to exist. A top official in Moscow's Orthodox Church said that the satanic movement remains a breeding ground for criminals. According to him, authorities and society need to think about how to protect people from the propaganda of Satanism on the Internet. Recently, two young Russian devil worshippers confessed to luring two friends into the forest in the country's remote north, murdering them and eating their corpses as part of a twisted ritual. They were initially detained on drug charges before admitting to investigators that they had committed the slayings back in 2016. Police probing the case after the pair's shocking admission later found the dismembered remains of one victim in a woodland area north of St. Petersburg. The families of the murdered youngsters had apparently been searching for years for their missing children while the whereabouts of their bodies was only known to the killers. A decade ago, a pair of self-described Russian Goths were convicted of killing and cannibalizing a 16-year-old schoolgirl. The duo were sentenced to nearly two decades each in high-security prison colonies, with the prosecutor describing their actions as monstrous. The examples discussed in this podcast are those of Australia and Russia, but If you think these things don't happen in your country or here in America, you are sadly mistaken. It is up to each of us to speak up and refuse to fall prey to warrior murderers of any race, religion, or creed for political intrusion into our lives and especially the lives of our children. The time is now to make a stand. The truth is staring us in our faces Now it's up to us to share these truths as they are unveiled.